And so my message this morning is this. It's stop going to church. Stop going to church. It doesn't mean that you can now get up and all walk out the door. Stop going to church. The thing is, is that there's, there's, we have a familiar language when it comes in our English language. Our English language is not very great compared to when it starts describing things. You know, we, like the word love, we use the word love for everything. We love fried chicken and we love our wives. You know, it's, maybe some of you love fried chicken more than your wives, I'm not sure. But the word love, we use it for all sorts of things, whereas in the Greek language and the Hebrew language, the word love has like five or six different meanings. It's not just limited. And, and so we have in our language this kind of thing, like we go to the movies, yeah? Yes? Okay, you don't go to the movies? If you want to see a good movie, I recommend 1917, if you don't mind a little bit of war gore, it's really good. And we go to the movies, we go to the shopping mall. I would have thought there'd be an amen from all the ladies in the church, especially if we've got the husband's credit card, amen? All right. We go to do the groceries, we go to shows, we go to all these things, and then we go to church. And... It kind of all sounds the same, doesn't it? But the thing is, is that I want to tell you this morning that we need to stop going to church because God's calling for our lives, his ultimate calling for our lives was never go, going to church to a building. It was never to go to a destination. It's to be conformed into the image of Christ. It's to be changed so we transformed into his image. God's highest calling for us is never to go to a church or a destination or go to a building, but his highest calling for us is to be planted in the house of God, not go to the house of God. In fact, it says this in Psalm 92, it says, the righteous will flourish. Everyone say flourish. Like a palm tree, they will grow like a cedar of Lebanon, planted in the house of the Lord. They will flourish in the courts of their God. They will still bear fruit in their old age. They will stay fresh and green. How many people are like feeling a little bit old? I, I felt a little bit old yesterday. I got a bit of the flu at the moment. felt a little bit old yesterday, and I was reading this, and I was thanking God that I'm going to bear fruit in my old age. I'm always going to stay fresh and green. Is, is there anybody that feels a little bit old this morning that's kind of excited about that scripture? I'm the only one. Awesome. Thank you for your support. Really appreciate it. Spirit of encouragement from the congregation is amazing this morning. Proclaiming the Lord is upright. He is my rock. When I think about the word flourish, it's, it's an interesting word because it's not really the kind of word that we use, really, isn't it, in our language? It's not like someone comes up to you and says, how are you doing today? I'm flourishing. You know? You wouldn't walk up to a guy in the gym who's pressing 200 kgs on the bench press and go, mate, you're flourishing, <laughs> would you? You just, you just wouldn't really use that word. It's not really something that we use, but yet the word flourishing in the scripture really creates a great image of what it means to be planted in the house of God. It means to be growing. It means to be thriving. It means to be prospering. It means to be a blessing. It means that there's spiritual growth. That when you're planted, you're thriving, you're growing, you're prospering. And then, and then it compares it to two trees, a, a cedar tree and a palm tree. It's like, a, guys, if you want, if you want to, um, a good pickup line, if you're single, it's just go up to a girl and say, man, you're flourishing like a palm tree. Man, you're like a cedar tree. It's just so romantic, isn't it? Hey? Try that move on your wife and see where that gets you. 
But here's the thing, the cedar tree is known for its durability. It's known for its durability, it's pleasant to look at, and I don't know about you, but I think cedar smells awesome. It's known for its durability, it's pleasant to look at, and it smells great. And what it's saying here by saying that we are to flourish like the palm tree and the cedar tree, it's it's really saying like the cedar tree, we need to flourish, there needs to be a durability, a strength, a lasting, a strong thing. Solomon built the temple out of cedar trees with the columns and the roof and all that sort of stuff. Why? Because it's meant to last a long time. There's a durability, there's a strength to a cedar tree. A palm tree is a little bit different. A palm tree manages to stand in the waves of storms and not bend and break, but the palm leaf represents victory. When Jesus came in to Jerusalem and what the Bible calls his triumphal entry, it was palm trees that were being waved as Jesus came in, as they acknowledged him as the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords. And so the palm tree speaks of that we're flourishing, but we're triumphant and we're victorious. That both these trees are uh, evergreens, in other words, they grow all year long. So there's this thing that you should flourish and have a durability and a strength and a victoriousness and a thrivingness and a prosperityness and all that sort of stuff to your life. That when you are planted in the house of God, that these are all the benefits, that there's a strength that comes. I don't know about you, but I can do more strength to my life when circumstances come that I'm not expecting. I can do some more victoriousness and triumphantness in my life. I don't know about you, but, but when I read that and it says that those who are planted flourish, they're like, they're like the cedar tree. They're strong, they're stable, they're durable, and they're like the palm tree full of victoriousness and triumphantness. It gets me excited that there, there's a strength, there's a victory, and there's fruit to my life. It says that those that are planted in the house of the Lord, they will flourish in the courts of their God. It doesn't say that those who go to church will flourish. It says that those who are planted in church, the house of the Lord, will flourish in the courts of their God. Those who are planted in the house of the Lord, they're flourishing, they're thriving, they're growing, they're being blessed, they're emotionally engaged, they're connected, they're making a difference, they're fulfilled, and they're flourishing. That's what it says. Not those that go to church, but those who are planted in the house of the Lord have all the side effects of these things. Unfortunately, if we conducted a survey in this room, and we're not going to do it this morning, but unfortunately, many people would not use the word. Many of you would use words like spiritually dry or emotionally withering or relationally barren or financially hurting, or restrained, or I'm still searching, longing for, hoping for that one thing, that something, that relationship, that job, that whatever it is that I don't have, that if I got it, it would fulfill what I'm missing on the inside of me. I go to church, you would say, but, I, but I'm not flourishing. I turn up, but I'm not flourishing. And the reason why you feel that is because you don't understand and sometimes we don't recognize that our life is actually a seed that needs to be planted. You see, the seed has potential to grow, to thrive, to multiply, to produce fruit, to be a blessing to others. 
but a seed that is not planted, that potential always lies dormant, unproductive, unfruitful, and dissatisfied. Your life is a seed, and if you don't plant the seed, the seed never produces. It just doesn't happen. And so the seed can only grow when it is planted. And Jesus talks about this in Matthew 13, and I encourage you to read it. We don't have time to go through it all, but he talks about a farmer going out to sow seed, and he throws the seed out, and some lands on stony ground, and the birds just take it away, and some lands and uh, where it's shallow ground, and it, and it takes off, but then the heat of the sun comes and, and, and just gets on it, and because its roots can't go deep, it just withers and dies, and then there's another that lands on some other ground, and it goes really well, but then all the thorns and the weeds around it grow up around it and choke the life out of it, and then there are some that land on good soil, it says, and it produces 30, 60, 80, 100-fold fruit because it's landed on good soil. And some people have the potential, like the seed that lands on the stony ground, but they never go anywhere. Some people start to grow, but they fade away. Some people start to thrive spiritually, but the worries, the concerns, the bills, and the struggles of life choke out of the spiritual growth. But God promises that seed that gets into good soil and gets its roots down deep, that life flourishes, that life thrives, that life produces 60, 80, 100-fold more than that seed could ever imagine, that the full potential of the seed comes out. And it's a blessing not just to it, but to others as people are able to feed off the fruit that that tree is starting to supply, that that ones that get its roots down deep is the one that flourishes. Who's flourishing? The one that is planted. The one that is planted is the one that flourishes. We have to stop going to church and get planted in church. Those who are planted in the house of the God, the seed can only grow when it's planted. The second thing is, is that going to church isn't the same as being planted. Turning up here week in, week out is not the same as being planted. If you just go to church, then this might be some of the language that you use some Sundays. I know this is in your face a little bit this morning, but you'll cope. My job is to help you flourish in life and tell you the truth about what God says. Here's the thing. If you're someone who just goes to church, this will be some of your language on a Sunday. Are we going to church this morning? I mean, we've just had such a busy week. We have been so hectic. We've got so much going on. We've got so much happening. Maybe, maybe we just don't go this one. Are we, we going to go? Maybe we don't go. We haven't had, had much time together. That's the kind of language that if you're someone who just goes to church, that's the kind of language that you'll use. Listen to me. When you are planted, you'll never say, are we going to church? Because you understand that in being planted, the flourishing comes. That in being planted, the marriage gets better. That in being planted, the children grow up with a sense of godliness about them and don't give you the grief that maybe they could get if they weren't planted. Are you hearing me this morning? It's like God's basically telling us that if your life isn't flourishing and thriving, you have to check yourself are you just going to church or are you actually planted in church? Because church isn't a destination you attend. The church is a posture. In fact, the church is who you are. The church, biblically, 
is not a building or a destination. The church is you. The church is you. The church is I. The church is all of us. And in our house, we, we don't ask ourselves if we're going to church. It's not a negotiable thing in our house. It's like you're going to, oh, I don't want to. Too bad, get in the car. Why? Because I'm not, I'm not, I want to show my children that success in life comes by being planted. That if you want the flourishing and you want the thriving and you want God to bless you and you want to be a blessing to others because that's when we get the most satisfaction out of our lives, that the one place that you can do all of those things is in the house of God. It's been planted in the house of God. It's really not negotiable because you can't say I'm going to church because you are the church. You are the church. It's not a destination to which you attend. It's an entity on the inside of us that we are the church. Just like I, I, don't, I don't get up in the morning and go, are we going to eat today? Well, maybe over the last 21 days we've prayed and fast, you might have had that question. But I don't get up in the morning and go, do I feel like eating today? Or, or let me put it this way, is, I'm not really in the mood for oxygen today. Or I go up to Trinity and say, hey, can I have a kiss? And she goes, I don't really think it's kind of a kiss kind of a day today. Don't really feel like it. You, you, you don't think about, do I feel like breathing oxygen? Because that's who you are. Oxygen makes you live. You don't think half the time. Some of us think a little bit harder about what we eat, and that's why you look so good. And then others like me think, just think food is awesome. But you don't think about it, you just do it. Why? Because you understand that we need food to come in so that we have energy for our bodies to work. We know we need oxygen to live. And what Jesus is saying here is that you are the church. And if you're a follower of Christ, you need to get planted. Because in being planted, all the things that you need, all the nutrition, all the stuff that you need to flourish and grow, grow is found in the church. In you and I. In fact, the Greek word for the church in the Bible is called ecclesia. And ecclesia means two things. It means to gather an assembly. In other words, if you listen to podcasts all week of people preaching or watch it on TV, that's really, really nice, but it's not being planted. You are not going to thrive and you're not going to grow and you're not going to prosper by watching Christian TV. In fact, half of it, if you watch it, you're going to end up depressed because half of it's a load of rubbish. Sorry if you watch a lot of it. You see, when it comes to my kids, I don't have a relational connection with them by leaving voice messages on the phone. It's like, oh, I wonder what the kids are doing today. I check my voice message. We just communicate their voice message. No. And the kids will tell you. Like last night, I felt sick all day yesterday, and last night Trinity's cooking dinner, and she sets the table, and the kids come out. Are we eating at the table tonight? Like that's, like that's the worst sin that could ever happen in your house, eh? to eat at the table. It's like there's children dying of starvation all around the world, but in New Zealand, we have to fight the fight of having to eat at the dinner table. Well, why do we call them to the dinner table? Because we want to assemble the family, yes? We want to assemble the family. Ask how your day was. Have, have conversation. Have communication. We want to assemble the family. And Jesus is the same. We are the church. We are the bride of Christ. We are his family. And he's like, don't forsake the meeting together of one another. In other words, he's like, man, you are the ecclesia, the ones that are called to assemble together. 
You're not meant to do life alone. It's an assembly. It's a gathering. The other thing that Ecclesia means is the called out ones. In other words, what he's saying is that the role of the church is to gather, to be unified so that they can honor God, so that they can hear the word of God, so that they can use their gifts and so that we can be strengthened like on a Sunday. And then it's not what's happened here inside the church then, but what happens outside of the church from Monday through to Saturday that really matters because God wants us to assemble and then he wants us to go out into the world. In other words, he wants us to gather on Sunday and scatter on Monday. That's the whole purpose. This is just the coach talking to the team so that we can go out into all the world and make disciples of all nations like Jesus has commissioned us to do. But we have to gather so that we can be strengthened, so that we can use our gifts, so that we can have a support network around us, so that we can be planted, and then we can flourish in life. You see, the church doesn't exist for us. The church exists for the world. The church exists for those that aren't here. It doesn't exist for us. It exists for those that aren't here. And there's a massive difference between going to a building and be, there's a big difference between going to a building or actually going somewhere where you're plugged in to the calling and the vision and the mission. There's a big difference between turning up and being planted in the house of God. There's a big difference between going to a building and being planted. Let me tell you what happens if you make a choice today to be planted. The first thing that will happen for you is your roots will grow deep. Your roots will grow deep. Jeremiah 17, 8 says this, they are like trees planted along the riverbank with roots that reach deep into the water. Such trees are not bothered by the heat or worry by long months of drought. How many of you right here would say, man, I'm, I'm feeling a little bit of heat in my life right now. I'm feeling a little bit of spiritual heat in my life. I'm, I'm going through some stuff and it, it's, it's starting to feel a, a little bit hot in here. Starting to feel a little bit hot in my world. There's some spiritual heat. There's some trials that I'm facing. How, how many of you would say this morning, if you're honest with yourself, man, I'm going for a bit of drought at the moment. It feels like there's just drought that's come to my world. How many would be able to say that this morning? Here's the thing. When your roots grow deep, they're not bothered by heat. When your roots grow deep, it says here that they are not bothered by heat or worried by long months of drought. When your roots are deep, the heat doesn't bother you. Not bothered by the drought because you understand that you are connected to the source that is greater than the problem on the surface. You are connected to a source that is greater than the circumstance that you're facing. Because the roots grow deep. Redwood trees, to me, are an absolute example of what the kingdom of God should look like. Redwood trees can grow up to 129 meters high. They can grow up to 13 meters wide. That's why I am the way that I am. I'm trying to become a redwood. <laughs> but the thing that I love about redwoods the most is that I didn't really realize this until I started looking at it. Anybody been to the Redwoods in Rotorua? Isn't it just like the coolest? If you've never walked through the Redwoods in Rotorua, I want to encourage you to do it. Redwoods are amazing trees. But the thing that is amazing about them the most, in my opinion, is not only do their roots go down 48 meters, 
but they go out sideways by 38 metres. And what they've discovered is that redwood forests or redwood trees that are planted beside each other and around each other, that over time, the roots that go out sideways actually start to intertwine with all the other roots of all the other trees. And now all of a sudden, rather than them just feeding off the roots that have gone down deep, they're feeding off all the other redwood trees that are planted around them. They're feeding off each other. To me, that is a picture of the kingdom of God. That we get ourselves planted and our deep roots get down deep so we start to draw off what God is doing in our lives, but then our roots go out sideways so we start to feed and draw off those that are around us. And all of a sudden, this strength and this height and this width comes to our lives. When they are planted together, their roots actually intertwine. But it's beneath the ground where nobody can see. It's beneath the ground where there's just a support system that sustains and strengthens and grows that which is above ground. And that is why we need each other. That's why we need to be planted. That's why we need to be in a connect group. That's why we need to be serving in a team. Because as our roots go down deep, so they go out wide. And we start to interconnect and, and we start to get this strength and the sustainability that happens because we're able to draw off other things and not face things on our own. Because I want to promise you this morning, you will face opposition. You will face trials. You will face difficulties in this life. I promise you, every single one of you will go through a tough season at some stage in your life. But if you face it alone, you are vulnerable. You are vulnerable. And you know what? I don't think the devil minds people going to church. I don't think the devil has a problem with you turning up to church. He just doesn't want you to get your roots down deep. He doesn't want you to get planted and get your roots down deep because then you're going to intertwine with other people. And now all of a sudden, you're not vulnerable. You're not on your own anymore. And he's not just trying to rip one tree out. He's got to rip an entire forest out to get to the one tree because we're all connected. And what affects you affects me. And we're all here together, praying for each other, believing in each other, backing each other, supporting each other. And so all of a sudden, the vulnerability of you just going to church disappears and we know that the devil is like a roaring lion looking who he may devour and lions always pick off the animal that's on its own. And God is trying to say this, man, if you, if you want to get through stuff, then you, you, you need to be planted because God doesn't care that you turn up to church. Uh, the, sorry, the devil doesn't care when you turn up to church. He cares when you get planted and connected. Because then strength comes to your life. The vulnerability disappears. And we need the family of God. We need you. You need me. We need each other. Why? Because we are stronger. We are blessed. And we are encouraged when our roots have been supported by each and other's roots. And the second thing is, as I finish this morning, is that your roots produce fruit. Your roots produce fruit. Jeremiah says this with Roots that reach deep into the water, such trees are not bothered by the heat or worried by long months of drought. Listen to this. Their leaves stay green and they never, everyone say never, stop producing fruit. They never stop producing 
fruit. What, what is God saying here? Is he saying that if I get planted in the house of God, all of a sudden I'm going to have apples coming out of my fingers? Like, it's, what, what does he mean here? He's not talking about natural fruit. He's talking about spiritual fruit. That when you are planted, it says here that, that you never stop producing spiritual fruit. When you're connected to the spiritual vine, which is God, which is the church, which is the body of Christ, then you produce spiritual fruit. The spiritual fruit is what? Love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, gentleness, faithfulness, and that nasty one, self-control. See, when you're planted... All these good things come to the surface. Because when you're planted, you, pref- you produce fruit, spiritual fruit of love, joy, kindness. All those things, you produce those things. They come to the surface. So even when you're going through a difficult time, even when you're going through a struggle, even when you're going through a difficult season, guess what? Love still comes out. Joy still comes out of the middle of the trial. Why? Because you're planted, and when you're planted, you will always produce fruit, irrelevant of circumstance, irrelevant of situation. How can you be so happy when you go through? That is why it says in James, consider it pure joy when you go through trials of many kinds. Why? Because it understands this, that when you're planted, you're constantly producing the fruit of love and joy and patience, and even though life may look like it's going out of control, when you're planted, you just keep on producing joy in the middle of the trial, love in the middle of a marriage that's struggling, patience when it comes to your children, self-control when it comes to food and stuff. You just produce it because you're planted and you can't help it because that's what you produce when you're planted. Come on, I don't know about you, but I want to go through trials with joy. I want to go through my marriage continually with love. I certainly want to go through parenting with patience. Am I the only one this morning? When you consider it pure joy because it's there, you recognize, wow, all of a sudden, man, I'm going through stuff and it's not affecting me. I'm going through stuff and we start to recognize that not only have I got joy in the midst of my trial, but my joy is blessing others in the middle of it. People start saying to you, man, how, how, how can you be so joyful when you're going through that? All of a sudden, the joy starts blessing others. The love starts blessing others. The joy becomes contagious. The peace becomes attractive. The faithfulness builds relationships. And suddenly you realize all of this is happening because I'm planted and I'm making a difference. And when you feel like you're making a difference in somebody's life, you get this thing that happens on the inside of you. I call it the Christian cocaine. Yes, and I'm your dealer this morning. (laughs) It's that sense, that buzz you get. Because, man, I, I talked to that person and they, and they thanked me and it transformed their lives and, and maybe they even came to Christ or something or I helped that person and they're so... Oh, I get to bl- and, and all of a sudden you get that buzz, don't you, on the inside. That, 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 that high, that fix 
on the inside. It's like a Christian cocaine. It just, it just gets on the inside of you. And, and, and I want to encourage you this morning, if you've never experienced that, I want you to try a little bit of it this morning. I just want you to try. I just want you to pray for somebody else. I just want you to give to somebody else. I just want you to make a difference. I want you to be a voice of encouragement. Just come and serve somewhere in the life of the church. Just welcome somebody. And I guarantee if you welcome somebody that looks like they're alone and they don't know what they're doing here, they will turn around and they will say to you, I was afraid to come, but you loved me and you made me feel welcome. And then all of a sudden that hit, that buzz, that woohoo on the inside of you starts to lift. And the good thing about it is that it doesn't cost you anything and it's not going to kill you, but it's actually going to build you. It's that thrill, it's that high that I've made a difference in somebody's life and then all of a sudden you'll go, oh my gosh, I'm, this is not just a place where I go, but this is my family. This is not just a place I attend. I'm needed here. I make a difference here. I help change people's lives here. God needs me to do what I'm created to do. And here I'm known, and here I'm loved, and I'm planted in the house of God. And you recognize that you're not just saved from your sins, but you're saved for the glory of God to make a difference in this world. And I'm not just saved from my sins, but I'm saved to do something of significance that ministers to other people so people will turn around and go, glory to God because of what you did. It's all the way through Scripture. Who is it that flourishes? The seed that is planted will grow and flourish. So I want to ask you this morning, how are you doing? Are you flourishing? Are you thriving? Here's the thing. What I've discovered when I get planted is I'll flourish and I'll thrive. Life may not always be going great, but my roots are down deep. And so even though I might be going through difficult times, my faith is strong. Why is my faith strong? Because I have people praying for me. I have people standing around me. I have people supporting me. And I know that I am needed. And I know that I am loved. And I'm part of something bigger than myself. I don't just go to a building. I don't just go to church. I am the church. And I am God's ambassador to the world. I represent him and I represent his bride. And you say, well, I tried that, Craig. I tried. I, I came for like three weeks in a row and nothing happened. Listen to me. It takes time for trees to grow. It takes time for trees to grow. And here's the thing. If you're coming once a month, friend, you're not going to flourish and you're not going to thrive. I'm just being honest with you this morning because once a month has not been planted. It's not. Now, you may not like it here, and that's okay. You don't have to like it here. If you, want, if you want, after the service, I'm more than happy to recommend to you other churches, great churches in our community. I just want you to find your home. I want you to find your place, whether it be here or somewhere else, where you can plant yourself and so that your life would flourish and that your gifts would flow so that we benefit from all the goodness that God has placed within you. It's not about going to a church, to a destination. It's about being the church. 
been planted. And a tree takes time to grow. It doesn't happen overnight. Five things for trees to flourish as the band comes this morning. Three, five things, not three things, five things. Five things for a tree to flourish. It needs soil, light, water, temperature, and time. It needs soil. Soil is your heart. For a tree to grow, it needs a good heart. It needs a heart that's ready for it to be planted in. It needs light. Here's the good news for you. God's word is a lamp unto our feet and a light unto our path. You need to get into the word of God because if you've got God and if you've accepted Jesus as your Lord and Savior, you've got him in your heart, you've got to get the word in there. You've got to get the light of God in there to help that seed. There's watering. Jesus is the living water who washes and renews our soul. Jesus is the one who comes and refreshes us and renews us and waters us. The scripture teaches us that. Temperature. Well, the temperature is the fire of the Holy Ghost. The fire of the Holy Spirit warms the seed that's planted in your heart as he starts to speak to you. And the watering and the planting and this, it all it starts to work together. And all of a sudden, a tree starts to grow. Time is the next thing. It takes time for a tree to grow. They say this, when is the best time for a tree to be planted? The answer is 20 years ago. But I want to tell you, there's no better time than start now. There's no better time for you to start planting that seed in the house of God, your life in the house of God, getting into a connect group, serving in a team, turning up week in, week out, giving towards the church so we can do the things we want to do in the community. There's no better time to do it than right now. Now is the time because God wants you to flourish. God wants you to thrive. God wants you to prosper. God wants you to be stable and strong like cedar and victorious and triumphant like palm trees. Only those who are planted in the house of the Lord, only those, the Bible says, that are planted in the house of the Lord, only them flourish in the courts of God. There's no other way. You may not like to hear it. You may not appreciate what I'm saying this morning, but I'm not here to tell you what you want to hear. I'm here to tell you the truth. If your life is not flourishing and your life is not thriving, it's probably because you're not planted. And God's telling us this morning, man, I want that for you. I want you to flourish. I want you to thrive. I want you to prosper. I want you to be blessed. I want you to be a blessing. I want you to have an impact on the world around you. I want you to have significance in your world of reaching and blessing others. And the way that that happens is when you're planted. Not going to church, but planted in church because we're a family and our tree roots are intertangled and we feed off each other Paul says that in the New Testament that we're all feeding off one another and you might think well I'm just the little toe of this thing I broke my little toe once do you know how hard it is to walk when your little toe is broken you don't realize how significant something is to you until you don't have it anymore. Every single person here, planted, flourishing, thriving, plays a part in the kingdom. 
every single one, serving, giving out to others, blessing others. You know, I got an email the other week from somebody who's been coming to our church. And they said to me, thank you so much that your people are so welcoming, that your people are so loving. We've been in church before, we've kind of gone away and we were kind of scared to come back. But as we walked through the doors, the love and the care, we felt like we had come home. We felt like that we were welcome here. We felt like that we belonged here. Here's the thing, friend, I didn't do that. You did that. You did that. It's not what happens up here that causes people to be planted. It's what you do in your conversations, in your serving and your giving. That's what gets people planted. And then all of a sudden, life starts to flourish. And we see five people getting water baptized. And we're like, man, God is doing a great thing. You know, last year we saw over 150 decisions for Christ last year. Why? Because we've got people that are planted, flourishing, serving in the house of God. And I want to encourage you this morning, if you're not planted, get yourself planted. Let your life flourish. Let your life thrive. Why don't we all stand to our feet this morning? I love you all. Close your eyes just for a moment.